0: It's easy to say all things are possible with Christ, but do you really believe that? You see, the problem that happens with most of us is we say, yes, all things are possible with God. I pray once, I trust once, I wait a day, I don't see a result. I go, whew, maybe I was wrong. The kingdom of God is not a microwave, it's not even an air fryer, it's a slow cooker. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Do you love Jesus? Do you really love Him? Do you think you love Him the way He loves you? I wonder if we ever could Sure. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. I love him so much. And I'm so aware. I'm just so aware. Of what he has saved me from. Without him, I'm the worst of all sinners and so broken and so lost in anything I've ever done in my life. It's just worthless. I will never lose this sense of what he has saved me from. And I pray the same for you because it changes the way you do everything. It changes the way you wake up, the way you look at your spouse, the way you speak to your children, the way you do your job, job you choose to do how you choose to serve your king whether you look to Jesus to do your will or whether you look to Jesus and say what is your will whether you look to Jesus to be a genie in a bottle whether you look to him as the source of life This breath I'm breathing right now, I'm only able to do it because He lets me. He lets you be alive. He lets you be alive right now. He let that woman yesterday come back to life, but it could have been her last day on earth she didn't know do you think she knew the moment before she had a heart attack the, mo- the morning she woke up oh, today I'm going to die no to live with this knowing also gives us a healthy fear of God and a healthy eternity perspective Every day, we should be asking ourselves, why am I breathing? Why? What am I living for? One of the questions that wrecked me, that I wish I never heard, I think I've shared this with you before, but some of you may not have heard it. We were at... A world conference of of every nation, and first speaker, first night, first session. He opens with this question. He says, "Is what you are living for worth Christ's dying for? Is what you are living for worth?" what Jesus died for. I didn't hear much else after that. He did tell a story that I remember about a family who were doing missions work in a very harsh place where Christians were being killed by this militia, these terrorists. And they came to their house and they bound everyone up and they say, do you renounce Jesus to the woman? She says, never. They say, I'm going to kill your husband in front of you if you don't renounce Jesus. She says, I can never renounce Jesus. They killed her husband right in front of her. She had a baby with her. They said, we're going to kill your baby if you don't renounce Christ she says I could never do that (laughs) they threw the baby against the wall and the baby died they beat the woman and they set her alight and they left her to die somehow she survived crawled out of there found help was nursed back to health the moment she could she went straight back to that village and preached the gospel again is what you are living for worth what Christ died for I don't know how to stress this enough. We cannot play Christianity. It's not a a culture, it's not a club, it's not a a thing we do on a Sunday. It's supposed to be who we are. And we joke about how raising the dead should be normal, but it's not a joke, it should be normal. I was so blessed and encouraged and inspired by this man. Everywhere he goes he looks to find people that need prayer. Shares the gospel, prays, healing happens. That's not just for him. It's for all of us. Will you take your eyes off of you and your discomforts and issues and stuff and just lift it up and see who's around you and say Holy Spirit point me in the right direction I'm breathing this breath right now so someone can get healed so someone can be made whole so someone can hear that God loves them We will always have trials, troubles, tribulations, and suffering. Always. Jesus said so. You don't want to believe me, go read the Bible. If anyone sold you a Christianity where everything will go well the rest of your life, they lied. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, for in me you will have peace. You can go through life and all the struggles and troubles and issues that you have, but have peace and rest in Christ. And the more you take your eyes off of your stuff and your suffering, which, by the way, probably doesn't compare to the suffering that Christ went through for you. Let's just get that straight. Take my eyes off of my suffering and say, Holy Spirit, how can I be your hands and feet today? And it starts today. It starts by making a decision. It starts by saying, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. And then t- tomorrow again. And then the day after that again. Because in a week from now, you're going to wake up. You're not going to feel the way you feel right now. You feel emotional right now because I'm emotional and you're picking up on that. But a week from now, you're like, you're back to normal. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for me. This cannot be an emotional thing only. We are moved right now because the Spirit is moving here. And there's an emotional reaction. But it's not about the emotion, it's about being obedient and staying obedient. There's a verse in the Bible that we read recently. It says, this is who you are. and This is what you have. And all these things are for you in Christ Jesus. And then it says, if you continue in the faith of the gospel that we preach to you, there's an if. I've told you many times, the Bible is full of if, then statements. We have to understand the if before we can step into the then We have to ask ourselves, is what I'm living for worth what Christ died for? How do I come to church? With what attitude do I come to this place? Do I come as a consumer, checking it out? What can I get out of this? How will this church make me feel? Is the music too loud, too soft? Is Heinz always going to preach that long? coffee is too hot, the coffee is too cold or am I coming as a servant of the most high God to say how can I be a part of what God is doing in this place your flesh may not like everything that's happening you may not agree with everything I say or do or how we do things. But what you need to settle once and for all is did God call you to be here? And if He did call you to be here, then come humbly to serve Him through the local church because that is His plan, that is His order, and that is how He works. And do you come here to to check out how does this ex-idol singer do things? Or do you come to listen to a man of God called for his time such as this? Now hear me clearly. I am not in any way, shape, or form being prideful. I am stating fact. God has called me to do this. Bible says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous man in the name of a righteous man, you will receive a righteous man's reward. So each and every one of us, you, need to ask yourself, do I receive, Heinz, and anyone that teaches here, as a teacher of the Word of God? or just as some singer who now leads a church, or some guy that I want to be my buddy. Because however you choose to see me, that is what you will receive. So if you want to receive the word of God that will change your life, you need to come and sit with a humble heart and say, okay, I submit. It's easy to say, I submit but what does submit mean come the word is submission under the mission God has given me a mission and my wife and he told us to start something that he wants that will bring a revival and that will change lives but we are at a very sensitive and pivotal moment in the growth of this church I am not a people pleaser. Have you noticed? And I do not believe in raising coddled, comfortable Christians. Because coddled, comfortable, convenient Christians are not going to change the world. And they will not be ready for what is coming. Guys, I don't know how informed you are about what's happening in our world, but hell is literally coming for us. The devil wants to completely dismantle and destroy marriage, family, and biblical values completely. Massive organizations and governmental organizations are planning. take your parental rights away from you completely so that they can raise your children. I'm not going to get into all that stuff because it's going to sound like I'm speaking politics but I'm not. I'm actually speaking about spiritual things which are now happening. And I need you to know that if you're going to stay in a place where you think church is there to serve you and make you feel comfortable and you just want to do and hear things the way you want it to be, you're not going to be ready for what's coming. It'll catch you unawares and you'll go, how did that happen? It's time that Christians take their heads out of the sand and stop worrying only about themselves and their little circle. And when is my next social event and my next camping trip And start thinking, how am I going to change the world for Jesus? How am I going to prepare to get ready for what God wants to do? During pre service prayer, Brother Francia had a picture of the 10 bridesmaids, the five who were ready and the five who were not ready. And he shared that with me. And he said, I think it might be relevant for today. And he's right. Are you ready? The bridesmaids were set to be ready for the groom, Jesus, who's returning for a pure bride. We need to be ready and aware of the times that we are in so that we can fulfill the will of God in this time that He has for us before He comes for a bride that's ready. Are you ready? Are you equipped? I believe this is a place where God wants to equip his saints for the work of ministry to change the world. And I believe I'm sent to be a part of that. And I believe each and every one of you that God has placed here is also supposed to be a part of that. But the same way that it was said to Esther, if you, in the Bible, there's a story about a woman called Esther who was called to save her people From mass murder. And her uncle said to her, You need to go and speak to the king, which was something totally out of order. And then he said to her, If you do not do this, God will raise up another. You see, children of God, saints, you have to understand something very important God doesn't need you to fulfill his plans. He wants you to fulfill his plans. But if you are disobedient after once, twice, three, four times of him speaking to you, he's gonna go, okay, let your will be done. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. This church, we will keep meeting. If you stop coming, we will still be meeting. We don't need you to keep going, but we want you. If God has called you to be here, we want you here. And we want to help you and equip you and give you everything you need to do what God has called you to do. I don't need you to be here. I will keep preaching until I die. But I want you to be here. The truth is, you need God. You need a local church, and you need someone to teach you. Can we settle that as a truth? Do you believe that? Five of you. We can start. I would like to make a request to all of you and everyone online that slept in and aren't here today. I want, you to, I want to ask you to take at least three days this week, preferably the whole week, perhaps fast. Fast something or fast completely or just choose to fast. And go before God and say, Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are first in my life. But when I look at my calendar, I look at the week that has just gone by. I look at the hours spent without you, not for you, for something else. I look at all the times that I could have gone to church. I could have gone to connect. I could have had coffee with someone who needed me. But my calendar My other appointments were more important. My social calendar was more important. Jesus didn't die on a cross so that we can party away life. Now with that, I'm not saying don't have a social life. Hear me, hear me. It's not about that. But what's more important? That's what I'm asking. Are we truly serving the King of Kings? And that's through the way that he put it, the order that he gave us through the local church, or are we serving ourselves, if you're really honest? Take a week, bring your schedule, your calendar, everything that keeps you so busy, bring it before God and say, okay, Lord, what is of you? What is not of you? And then you need to be ready to perhaps sacrifice things that are not of God and then go okay how do I do this now how do I serve how do I help how am I a part of the solution amen who's who's willing to do that to take time this week and to question um, is what I'm doing and how I'm doing it really for God Is, is what I'm living for worth what Christ died for will we do that Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll help all of us to step into a deeper realization of what it means to serve you, to serve you wholeheartedly with all that we are. Lord, we know we have a long way to go, but we choose to live for you. Help each and every one of us to know what does that look like? If you've called me to business, Lord, show me how i can be with you all day while i'm doing my business how can i serve and love on the people that i'm working with whatever your circumstances are i believe god will lead you in wisdom but the question we all have lord is how do we put you first help us to each do that practically and serve you that way thank you for the wisdom Thank you for the conviction in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay, do you guys want to go home now or do you want to hear the sermon? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. Come on. Do you guys know that Jesus changed the world with 12? Change the world with twelve. We did you notice we are more than twelve here? It's not all of the church, but we are more than twelve here. If we have at least twelve that are sold out, we have to be able to change at least Somerset West, at least Strand. At, you know, you get my drift. Do you agree? All right? It's easy to say all things are possible with Christ, but do you really believe that? You see, the problem that happens with most of us is we say, yes, all things are possible with God. I pray once, I trust once, I wait a day, I don't see a result. I go, whew, maybe I was wrong. The kingdom of God is not a microwave. It's not. It's not even an air fryer. (laughs) It's a slow cooker. (laughs) Way back, shortly after I started in the music industry, I had massive dreams about going international. And I got so frustrated that it didn't happen overnight. And I was going, Lord, You've called me to the nations, and I'm not going there. What's going on? No, 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 praying, praying, praying. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. How patient is your faithfulness? How patient is your faithfulness? Lord, I prayed a whole month for this. Nothing has changed. How patient is your faithfulness? Lord, you said, yes, I did. Did I give you a timeline? No, but how patient is our faithfulness? Amen? Come on, people. We can change the world for Jesus. I'm convinced of that. I'm so glad we could have that family meeting. Thank you very much for your your patience. All right. We're busy with a series. Called One Gospel, One Church. How many of you believe there's only one gospel? Only one church of Jesus? Come on. And um, I want to ask you today how many of you struggle to take a compliment, to receive a compliment? Anyone? You're that person that goes, ah, no, man, nah, nah, nah. And then the person who gave the compliment kind of goes, I'm never giving you one again. Anyone like that? Yeah, you're too shy to say, okay. How many of you get a little irritated with people who, when you do compliment them, they play it down? You get a little irritated by that, yeah. How many of you love to give compliments? You just, like, comes very natural, you love it. You who love to give them, are you able to receive them? (laughs) It's a little harder, right? How many of you love to give gifts? Probably the same people. (laughs) Love to give you compliments and gifts. But do you receive gifts well? How many of you love to receive gifts? That's maybe your love language. Yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) And when someone gives you a gift, is it a blessing when they give it to you? You, like my mom says, you faff well. Wow, thank you. You've got to faff, you know. My, my mom, who's probably listening, if you don't faff enough, she goes, you need to faff some more. And I go, oh, mom, it's so great, so amazing, thank you. <laughs> I think your love language is faffing, so. If you do struggle to receive a compliment or a gift, what might be the reason? Low self-esteem? on the one hand, or maybe pride, on the other hand. There's a reason why I ask those questions. It should become clearer as we go forward. But for the moment, I want to do a quick recap. So we've been speaking about one gospel, one church, and when we read Romans 1 and 2, that's what the series is about, the book of Romans. We spoke on one standard. Who can remember what is the one standard? God's standard of what? I'm going to give you a clue. Not right, Ach, not wrong, but righteousness. Ah, that didn't work. God's righteousness is his one standard. Amen? Maybe I need to preach the first message again, because it apparently it didn't land. Do you remember that? Now that I said it, at least, okay. Then we looked at Romans 3 and 4, and we spoke about the one way that you can receive The righteousness, the one standard of God. What is the one way? Yes, hallelujah, someone listened. Okay, by faith, come on. Today, our message is called One Gift. And we're looking at chapter five of Romans. This chapter is rich, so full. It's so full that I'm not gonna get through the whole chapter. I'm not gonna do two chapters for one, and I'm only gonna do probably three-quarters of this chapter, and everyone who has lunch plans go, hallelujah. But this is a rich chapter. I want to encourage you to go and read it, meditate on it. There's so much here. Paul continues in this chapter, his very long argument and thesis, which it actually is, to the divided church of Rome, divided between, who can remember, Jews and Gentiles. Well done. My boy is listening. Hallelujah. The self-righteous ones, the Jews who were following legalism versus the Gentiles who were irritated by the Jews and they were following license. They thought they had the license to live the way they want because of the grace of God. But Paul is trying to introduce True liberty by the Spirit of God to them now Paul has systematically established that all men fall short of the glorious righteous standard of God, and that the only way to be reconciled with God is by faith the one way in Jesus Christ, not just faith, faith in Jesus Christ, who who he is, so faith in who he is and. What he has done. And in the process, he said that the Jews will not be saved by the law and by circumcision. And the law and the Jews must have gone, What? We're not saved by the law or circumcision. Now, as we start Romans 5, he has now just dropped this truth bomb, like we're gonna drop at the real men's conference, get your tickets. He has just dropped the truth bomb and he continues in Romans 5 from verse 1. He says, Therefore, having been justified, just if I'd never sinned, by faith we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, In which we stand and rejoice, hallelujah, in hope which comes from faith of the glory of God. Now, Paul is saying to them, let us summarize what we've covered so far. That's what I'm getting. In summary of chapters 1 to 4, which he wouldn't have said, but just bear with me. Um, he said, so far. Then we see what it means. So he says, having been justified by faith, the one standard met by the one way, we get to righteousness by faith in Jesus. And you remember the thing about justified. It is justified, never sinned. What is the extra bonus feature we receive through justification? Now he introduces it. Through this justification we have Something I spoke about earlier, peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Now, if Paul says we have peace now in Jesus, what did we have before? What did we have before we had peace? The Bible says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. In other words, before we became born again, we were at odds with God We were at war with God. Why? Because we were born out of sin, and God hates sin. Agreed? Don't fall for the lie that all people are basically good. In God's eyes, that's not true. But that's not all, Paul says. It sounds like a very marked ad. I can almost hear Paul says, but wait, there's more. We have access to grace in which we now stand, now being after being born again. And we rejoice. That's also something that comes from this. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So faith gives us access to grace in which we now stand. It is settled, we are settled in the grace. And our new position is set. And now it's our new default setting. Only you can cause you to go back to your previous default setting. If you choose to rebel against God. Where did we see true hope comes from? Sorry, where did we see the true hope comes from when we spoke about faith? It comes from faith. Now faith is the substance of things. Hoped for, all right. And here faith produces a hope in the coming glory of Jesus Christ, in which we can now in which we can now partake. We can partake of Jesus Christ. But this very mark ad still continues, folks. There is even more good stuff on the way. And you can read Paul's excitement in these verses. He continues in verse 3 and he says, and not only that. Do you hear it? Ex- okay. Some of you. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. (laughs) Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Again, hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts By the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Do you see the words? Not only that. Do you agree that in the first verses, he told us good stuff that we think is good as well? But in the same vein, he continues to to list good stuff. And the next good thing is that through faith in God, in Jesus, we now have this grace in which we stand, but not only that, we glory in tribulations. Woohoo. What is that I see? Trouble. Come on, trouble. Yeah. It's time for a miracle. Woo! Get ready. How many of you have that attitude? Come quick, come, come quick, our attitude. But then he throws a curveball and talks about tribulations, trials, suffering. And we go, whoa, 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 Paul. Sorry, dude. I think you're busy with a new list. How do we go from faith and grace and hope and glory? I mean, these words are great. Faith, hope, glory, laka. I love it. It's nice. How do we go from there to Tribulations. And how do you put the word glory in front of tribulations? Like, that's just wrong. That can't be right. Well, he tells us why. Check the word knowing. It is a strong word depicting a firm certainty in the truth of something. He is saying that we can glory in tribulation, we can get excited about suffering. Because that suffering, that hard time, is actually the catalyst for me to gain perseverance. So when I see it come, and it's not my own doing, I'm not talking about that. If I see it coming or I'm in it, I can go, awesome. I know that God is with me. Therefore, this will lead to at least some perseverance. And then when I persevere, which is not one day, two days, three days, it will probably be longer because it's called perseverance. It is sticking to it and doing the right thing over and over again. It is not murmuring against God or people Then, what he's saying is a promise that perseverance has a knock-on effect. When you have persevered, perseverance has a baby called character. Perseverance produces character. Do you know how they make olive oil? They crush the olive and, they, and they, they grind it and they work it until they can extract the oil. They have to persevere with the crushing until the oil comes out. Are you with me? What is character? Character can be defined as the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. And in the case of a Christian, obviously the mental and moral qualities distinctive to that individual should line up with the will and the word of God. It was Martin Luther King who said that we should not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character, not your heart. I've got news for you. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all. I'm just following my heart. Good luck. <laughs> Only when your heart is completely sold out to Jesus, you can follow your heart. But then you're not following your heart, you're following Jesus. Character. Character. And then, again, character gives birth to hope. So, suffering, get excited because suffering leads to perseverance. Get excited about perseverance because it produces character. And character, get excited about that because now we can going to have hope. All right? He just spoke about faith and he continues in this way. He's teaching us something about what faith should look like. So our faith leads to peace, grace, being able to glory in tribulation, and then perseverance, character and hope. That is six things that come from faith. Did you know that so much things can come from faith? <laughs> so would you say faith is important? Yes. But what kind of faith did we see last week? We saw the faith of Abraham, the kind of faith that says, I will even kill the promise of God if God says so. That is the kind of faith that he's talking about. God says to Abraham, the son that I've given you, the son of promise, go and sacrifice him. The Bible says the very next verse, he got up, and he went on his way with his son. He did not tell Sarah. It's a wise man. No, I'm kidding. But can you imagine, this for him was a trial. It was a tribulation. It was a form of suffering. He's before a very hard decision. But he obeyed. He persevered. And it it brought character and gave him a hope. Amen? Can you see that? It's that kind of faith that he's talking about. Let us each ask ourselves, do I have the faith of Abraham? But the amazing benefits of this faith continues. He says, now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. (laughs) Are you encouraged by that? Come on, that's pretty amazing. That is a beautiful and encouraging thing. The hope that comes from faith does not disappoint. Why? Or how is it possible? How is it possible that this happens? Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts. By whom? The Holy Spirit. Now suddenly we've got the whole trinity chapter 5 can you see that the whole trinity is on display in this book we are reconciled to the father by the son and the love of God is poured out by the Holy Spirit can you see that he's bringing the trinity together for us did you notice he said that tribulation will come he didn't say it might come But we should get excited because it's the opportunity to grow in character and get hope. Now, as we read this, we are faced with the question, do I believe it? And if I believe it, what am I going to do about it? It doesn't just help to cognitively believe it. It doesn't just help to have a a mental assent that, "Mm, yes, I'm in agreement. No, it has to flow into action. (laughs) will i change my reaction to tribulation accordingly will i will i change my reaction to difficult things according to what the scripture says do i think it will just happen by itself will i just one day wake up and have the right attitude towards tribulation and trouble no it needs to be something i choose choose to obey and trust God to help me to do it and to consistently grow in this way of responding. You see, we can either react in an emotional way with surprise when these things happen, which I've never done myself. (laughs) I'm guilty. I'm very guilty of reacting with emotion and surprise. But what God is calling us to do here is to respond from a place of knowing who we are standing firmly in the grace that is settled and seeing what goes on we're not ignoring reality we're not delusional but we respond from heaven we don't respond from earthly things does that make sense come on saints You see, we can either have a knee-jerk emotional reaction or a strong spiritual reaction. Let's ask ourselves for one moment. How will I react to the next trial? Because unfortunately, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And I'm not speaking death when I say that. I'm ready and prepared for what might come. God never promised us that it will be a walk in the park. Never. Do you know what happened to the people that were closest to Jesus, the twelve, the twelve apostles? Do you know about the ways that they died? It's horrible, it's horrific. But we just want it easy. But we weren't call, called for easy. We were called to change the world. Amen? Come on. And it continues in verse 6. Oh, this is good. I love this part. So it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone will even dare to die. But God Demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more, I want you to hear the phrase much more. It's going to come up a few times. Can you say much more? Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Everybody say his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more, everybody say much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, can you hear? I mean, come on. But we also... Rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Yes, glory to God. I just read Scripture, so the applause is for God and His Word. When we were still without strength, it says, when we were still without strength. Another translation says, when we were helpless. This implies that before Christ, a person is weak and in need of help. And the only cure to the weakness and the only source of help is Christ. Do you agree? If someone is not born again, they may think they're strong. Or have it all together and even operate with worldly success, which they think is success. But apart from Christ, they are without strength. They're without the kind of strength that actually matters. Would you agree? Well, Paul doesn't care if you agree, it's just the truth. (laughs) And Paul now makes it personal by saying, when we, he includes himself. When we were still without strength, he includes himself and those he is writing to, and we can do the same. Let's include ourselves in this truth. We were once without strength before we were in Christ. And this should fill us with gratefulness and joy and keep us humble and make us excited to share the good news with others. Come on. Christ died for the ungodly. So when we were still without strength, The next phrase is Christ died for the ungodly. So without Christ, I was weak and I was ungodly because I was disconnected from God. So I cannot be godly. Make sense, right? Then he speaks on man's standards for when a person might decide to die for someone else. Is there anyone you are willing to die for right now? Who would you die for? Perhaps your spouse perhaps your spouse has contemplated killing you, I don't know. <laughs> John Gray once said, "My wife is so close to God, if she gets angry she can kill me, raise me from the dead and kill me again." <laughs> but would you die for your spouse? Would you die for your children? Would you die for your best friend? A sibling? Yes, no? A parent? What about someone who insulted you? Would you die for them? How about someone who bullies you? Would you die for them? How about someone who sexually assaulted you? Abused you? Raped you? What about a convicted murderer, guilty of taking many lives? Who would you be willing to die for? And if you were, would you have some conditions? If they, then I. Do you have some requirements that first need to be fulfilled before you would die? Paul is making it very clear that while All people and each and every one of us were still sinners, ungodly, away from God, enemies of God. Christ chose to be obedient to his Father and die for us. Why? Why did he do it? Because that's how much. He loves each and every one of you. He did it because he loves you, even though you were an enemy of his father. His love is the key. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then he says, much more than having now been justified By his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is the beautiful line in the first series of The Chosen. There's this awesome moment in the beginning of of the series Chosen where Mary Magdalene says, Before I met him, referring to Jesus, I was one way. But now, I am another. Oh, That's some good writing right there. Before I met him, I was one way. Now I'm another. We are now, after being born again, after choosing to believe in Jesus and receiving him as Savior and Lord of our lives, we are justified. Justified of what? Justified by what? His blood. And this saves us from the righteous wrath of God. You need to know, there is a righteous wrath of God. That if you are not in Christ, you are condemned. It's just the way it is. That's why we need Jesus. For if when we were enemies, here he says it in so many words, we were enemies of God. If we were enemies, we were still reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Know that before Jesus... You were an enemy of God. If you didn't know that, let that sink in. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you go, Jesus, thank you for what you've saved me from. I used to be an enemy of God. And now some people might say, yes, but God loves all people, and all people are his children. How many of you believe that? God loves all people? That's true. God so loved the world? And all people are His children. Mm. That's not the whole truth. He loves you and therefore sent His Son, yes. But until you receive His Son, you are His enemy. Sin makes us enemies of God. Now listen to this. Didn't Jesus teach, we did it recently with the Sermon on the Mount. Didn't Jesus teach us to love our enemies? So wouldn't He set the example By loving his enemies, all those who have not yet received his son. See, he can love you, but you can still choose to not receive him, his love, his grace, and thereby be saved. It's up to you. It's not up to him. He has done what he has done. He has set it in motion, and now it's for you to receive it or not. His love for you does not change. But John 1 is very clear. Only those who receive Jesus earn the right to be called children of God. It took the death of Jesus for us to be reconciled with God. In other words... To no longer be enemies of God, but reconciled also mean at some point we were conciled. If you have to be reconciled, it means you were conciled at some stage, which is not really a word, but there was a time where it was, there was an intimacy, there was a connection. Would you you agree? I believe this refers to his original design for us as humans, to be in perfect harmony with him. That's what he wanted from the start. He wanted us to be so intimately close to him. The thing that broke the intimacy was sin. And now Jesus comes to reconcile us with him. His death did that, and his life saves us. Remember, justification is being free from the penalty of sin, which is Everlasting death away from God. And sanctification is being free from the power of sin. Being united in his death, we are justified. Living resurrected life through him and with him is walking out our sanctification. He was free from sin and death, and in him so are those who are born again. And then again we hear Paul say, and not only that, as he ends this this part, he says, we, are also, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This also links back to not only that, but we glory in tribulation. It links back to that because he's using the same language. It is a perk. It is a bonus. It is an outflowing of our salvation that we get to rejoice in in God, through Jesus, through whom we have received the reconciliation. Amen? Jesus came to introduce the Father and brought us back into right standing with Him. His first role was to introduce the Father to the Jewish nation. They never saw Him as a father. And then how to be reconciled with Him. Firstly, He told them, you're not reconciled with Him which must have been quite a surprise. And then he said, but I am the way to the Father. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with his purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.